Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning. It is good to be back. I thank Chad for filling in for me last week, and I'm just so glad that we have staff who are solid on the Word and want to teach you. Uh, straight from God's Word, the inerrant, inspired Word. And I want to teach you from the Word today. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, I'll start in kind of the end of verse 18, going on through verse 26 here in just a little bit. And today I want to talk to you about our perspective about life. What do you think life is all about? What is most important in your life? What are your values? What is it that you are seeking for in life? What is it that drives you? You know, I ask these questions and most of us will answer in our hearts what we think the right answers are because let's face it, we have all been schooled enough to be able to give the right churchy answers, the right spiritual answers, the answers we think that are expected. I mean, if you know, if the pastor asks you a question or someone at church asks you a question, the answer is Jesus, church, God, or the Bible. It's got to be one of those four or something like that, right? So, so yeah, what, what is most important? Jesus, yes. We give the right answers with our mouths. But what is reflected in our heart? What is reflected in our life? And I bring this up because... Let's face it, for the most part, the American church has become more enamored with the world than with Christ. It is the things of the world that drives us, not Christ. It is the values of the world that sets the course for our life. It is the riches and comforts of this world that we desire most. We'll give the church the answer, no, I desire Jesus, but the way we live, I want the comforts of this world. We come to a point where it's the world and everything in it that determines who we are rather than God, Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Word, determining who we are. And even for us good old conservative Bible-believing Christians, it is the world that drives certain things in our life. It's the world that determines the way we think and the, the, way, the way we approach things. Even silly minor little things. So I'm going to give a silly little example from my weird, messed up thinking. Yes, my mind, it is a dangerous place to be in. But So for those who don't know, I'm a huge science fiction fantasy nerd. I mean, I'm a nerd, period. But I'm a huge science fiction fantasy nerd. And, you know, I grew up on Star Wars from childhood. So Star Wars, obviously, is, is like one of my favorite things. So 12 years ago, uh, Disney bought out uh, Lucasfilm. And they announced after, you know, with the big sale that they were going to make sequel, a sequel trilogy to the rest of the movies. And so, like, yeah. But so here's my messed up thinking in my brain. I'm thinking, you know, I really want to see these movies. So, Lord, if you could hold off returning until I see how they, how they you know, finish this movie. Or, Lord, don't let me die until I, I see how they finish uh, these movies, that would be great. So, you know, I said it kind of kidding and kind of not, uh, I guess. Of course, then the sequel trilogy came out, and after I saw the three movies in the sequel trilogy, I'm like, 
yeah, Lord, you really should have come back before I saw all that. <laughs> a little commentary of what I think about the sequel trilogy and things like that. But okay, so that's a silly, harmless little example, but, but think about the thought process that went into that. So what was it that I valued? The things of the world. What were my priorities? The things of the world. What was seemingly most important to me? The things of the world. Now, go into your own mind. Your mind might not be as scary as mine, but go into in your own mind, your own thinking. What is it that you value? Where are you at? Let, let's face it, in so many issues of life, it is the world that determines our perspective on how we view things, look at things, choose things. It's what drives us. But that's not what we Christians are called to. And so we're looking at this passage in Philippians. And in the passage that we're looking at today, Paul is in prison, but he writes, you know what, it doesn't really matter what your circumstances are. There is one right way for Christians to look at life. There is one proper perspective for for Christians to have while they are on this earth. And the proper perspective is that Christ is the focus, Christ is the center, Christ is the motivation of everything that we do and everything that we are. It's all about Christ. And so as we read and study this passage, I want us to internalize this proper Christian perspective and apply it to every area of our life. And that is that in life, no matter, no matter our circumstances, no matter what area of life it might be, it's all about Christ. Amen. Everything is about Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us this. In Philippians chapter 1, I want to read the end of verse 18 through 26, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these passages. Paul says, yes, I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I just pray that you would have a true, just look in our heart and cause us to truly look in our heart and see what it is that we value, what is our perspective on things, so that, Lord, we can honor you in all that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. So what Paul talks about is talking about ways that demonstrate that you have a proper perspective. So what is it that he says? What, you know, what, what is it that demonstrates that Christ is your focus? He's your center. He's your motivation uh, of everything. And so I want to highlight three ways that Paul says demonstrates that you have 
the proper perspective of a Christian, a Christian's proper perspective. And so first, I have a proper perspective when honoring Christ is my ultimate goal. I have a proper perspective when honoring Christ is my ultimate goal. You know, you look at, at the book of Philippians and Paul was not in the best of circumstances. He was imprisoned and yet his circumstances were not his focus. He wasn't focused in on what was happening to him. In fact, as, as you read the, the epistle as a whole, he, he viewed his circumstances in light of what it meant for that which was most important. What do my circumstances mean for my work in Christ? What do my circumstances mean for the, 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 the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So can, let, let me first consider like the passage that came right before this one. So the Philippians know that he's in prison, but Paul doesn't want them to worry about the fact that he's in prison. He doesn't want them to worry about how his circumstances affected him. What Paul actually wants to highlight is the way that his circumstances impact the gospel message of salvation in Jesus Christ. He's like, you know, it's not as important about what's happening to me as it affects me, but how what's happening to me affects the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was pleased to report that his imprisonment actually helped the gospel. It helped the message get out there. It didn't hinder the gospel in any way. It actually helped the message. He highlights two ways in which the gospel was helped. I mean, first, unbelievers were hearing and receiving the gospel message. People in the imperial palace, the imperial guards, Jews, they were all hearing from him the gospel message because of his imprisonment. And then, second, the church of Rome was becoming more bold in proclaiming the word of the gospel because of his imprisonment. And to Paul, that was what was most important. Now, he mentions, you know, there are some who are preaching Christ out of goodwill. Yeah, there are some who are preaching Christ out of envy. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Either way, Paul rejoiced, the gospel message is getting out there. That's what's most important. The message about Christ's death and resurrection is getting out there. I don't care about the motivation of those who are doing it. Some want to hurt me. Some want to help me. It don't matter. Is Christ being preached, the true Christ. I rejoice in that. And so that was what was most important for him, that there was a trail being blazed for the gospel to make it to the people. And then, in today's passage, he highlights his perspective on his circumstances. Really, he highlights his perspective on life, period, his whole life. He says that he rejoices because, in verse 19, the prayers of the Philippian church and the supply of the Holy Spirit given by Christ is seeing him through. And it's going to lead to his deliverance eventually. Now, he doesn't say how he's going to be delivered, and when you read the passage, Paul was like, look, I, he's thinking in light of eternity. He's thinking, you know what, I'm going to be delivered one way or another. I don't know how, but one way or another, I'm going to be delivered. It might mean being delivered, being released. Or it might mean being delivered, being released to his Savior. But he knew he would be delivered, and he knew this because in verse 20, he knew that God would not let him be put to shame. God would be faithful, and God would faithfully see Paul through his circumstances, through what he was going through, so that the ultimate goal of the Christian would be fulfilled in him. And what is that ultimate goal? 
Paul says in verse 20 that in spite of his circumstances, he expected he would be bold and courageous and not falter from the goal because God is faithful, because God would not let him be put ashamed. He would not falter from the goal, and that goal is that Christ would be honored in his body. That was the goal. I want Christ to be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Either way, Paul is delivered to the goal of honoring Christ, no matter how things turned out, that's what Paul wanted. He would honor, God, he would honor Christ if he were kept alive, and he had the hope that when he would die, his death would honor Christ. But either way, what was most important is that Christ is honored. That's most important. But that is such a different way of looking at things for us. That is such a different way of looking at life. Because we think, I mean, Paul being delivered, that means he's going to get out of prison and do his thing. In our mind, deliverance is getting out of the bad circumstances. In our minds, deliverance only comes if we are delivered from the physical pain, the spiritual pain, from the financial pressures, from the relationship problems, and whatever other earthly category we want to talk about. But Paul says, no, deliverance comes when God upholds my body so that I'm able to boldly honor Christ no matter what happens no matter what the outcome might be. That's my goal. Christ is honored in my body, whether I live, whether I die, because my body is here on this earth to honor Christ. Paul put it another way in Romans 12:1. He said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. You know, a sacrifice was sacrificed. That means you take your life and you sacrifice your life for the sake of Christ so that Christ is honored in your life and even in your death. Because my body and my life are actually not my body and my life. This is Christ's body and this is Christ's life. My body and life are tools to be used by Christ to gain glory and honor on this earth. My body and my life are not tools to advance my own agenda. My body and my life are not tools to make my dreams come true. My ultimate goal is to honor Christ no matter the outcome of whatever in the world it is that I'm going through. Christ would be honored by me pouring myself out like a sacrifice, serving others in his name, loving others in his name, spreading the gospel in his name. I mean, telling others about the saving works of Christ. That's what my body and life are here on this earth for. I know that's terrible English, but that's what it is. It's my life. So think of, think of tools in a toolbox. So you have a project you need to uh, fix a door. And that's what you want your tools to accomplish. I have this purpose. These are my tools. I want them to fix this door. But then when you, the owner, the master of the tools, go to the toolbox, each of the tools decide 
they want to do their own project. The, the, the hammer wants to hang some pictures. The screwdriver wants to build a shed. Well, what would honor you, the owner, most? When the tools would accomplish your will through them. When your tools would accomplish your goal through them. And that's where Christ is most honored. Our bodies, a living sacrifice to honor Christ in every area of our lives. Not just church life, not when I'm feeling spiritual, but I am honoring Christ with my body at my job, at my school, at my entertainment choices, at sports. So we demonstrate a true Christian perspective of life when that's our ultimate goal. I'm not here on this earth for me. I am here for Christ and I want to honor Christ with my body. This then leads to the next demonstration where secondly, Paul teaches we have a proper perspective when Christ is the filter of my worldview. Christ is the filter of my worldview. Now by worldview, I mean, well, obviously view of the world, but a worldview is the way that we think about reality. It's what leads us to act the way that we act. It leads us to make the decisions that we make. It leads us to say the things that we say. Everyone on this earth has a worldview, a certain approach to life. We could say that a worldview is the filter through which we see the world, and then that's how we interact with the world. That's how we react to the world and what's there. It's the perspective that we take on our interaction for the world. How we see the world is the way we're going to interact with the world. So, you know, suppose that you were wearing sunglasses that were the color blue. Everything that you look at would look blue. If you would wear sunglasses that were the color green, everything you look at would look green. That's your worldview. Whatever your worldview is, is the filter through which you see the world and interact with the world. You will interact with the world as blue. You will interact with the world as green. So, Muslims, they see through the filter of Islam and they interact with the world as a Muslim. Hindus, they see through the filter of Hinduism. And so they interact with the world as a Hindu. That's their worldview. And all other worldviews are different and are in conflict with the Christian worldview. You cannot mesh worldviews. They, 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 they just don't interact. They contradict one another. Christians look at the world differently than anybody else. Christians ought to look at the world differently than anybody else. But what is the worldview? Well, that worldview is determined by Christ. We view the world through Christ. What we really think about life is determined by Christ. It's not determined by the world. It's not determined by our own opinions. It's not determined by our own desires. And Paul describes this for us in the passage. He sums it up for us in verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To live is Christ. I, I look at the world and my own life through the worldview that Christ is my life. Christ isn't just kind of an add-on to everything else that's going on in my life. Christ is my life. I'm not living life for me. Christ is living his life through me. As, as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life that I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. 
I'm not, I'm, Christ is living through me. I see the world through Christ. When, you let, when Christ is your life, that determines how you look at everything else. When Christ is your life, that determines how you interact with everything else. Now, I'll talk about a, a one particular perspective, you know, worldview perspective that uh, he, he brings up in this passage. I mean, there's a lot we could talk about, but one in particular that he brings up in this passage, uh, uh, a worldview part of Christianity that is different from the rest of the world. And, and that is that we as Christians have a different perspective on death. We have a different perspective on death. For the Christian, death is not something to be feared. It's actually something to be embraced. It's something to be looked forward to. And you know what? After I say that, your natural instinct is to recoil from that. Pastor, you're out of your mind. But the biblical perspective, and when you're looking at death through Christ, I mean, it sounds wrong in our ears, but it's right through the word. I mean, what is this topic filtering it through Christ? He says in verse 23, he says that, I mean, he has this desire to depart with Christ and be with Christ because it is far better. I mean, it literally says there, it is much more better, is what it says there. I mean, not great English, but that's what it, what it says. I mean, he couldn't pile enough words on to tell us how great dying and being with Christ is. Death is not something to recoil from for the Christian. Death is our ultimate glorification. We sang about it this morning. My future is heaven. What's better than that? Now, he's not talking about suicide or anything like that. He's talking about how Christians view death. I know that death is actually better. How in the world could Paul say that? Because he was convinced that Christ. He, he said in, in, in another place, in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, we are of good courage because we would rather be from the body and at home. Whatever happens to me, I will eventually be away from this body and with the Lord. Paul knew that from the moment he took his last breath, he would be ushered into the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, this goes against any theology or philosophy that says different. Any theology or philosophy that says, well, you know what, a person's soul until the day of the resurrection. Well, no. Paul knew that to be away from the body would be presence with the Lord. That means that between here on earth, Christ, there's no detour. There's no other place that you go, say, like, purgatory that doesn't exist if you are a christian from the body is to be present with the lord and why is that better well have you looked at the world lately have you seen the evil that goes on around here you want to stick around for this forever there's no evil in the full presence of jesus christ have you ever gotten sick or hurt or get to be my age and things start wearing out? There is no sickness or pain in the full presence of Jesus Christ. 
Have you ever wrestled with besetting sin? There's this sin you just can't seem to get rid of. There is no sin in the presence of Jesus Christ. You're fully glorified. Have you suffered loss? Well, whoever is in Christ is restored to us. But the natural human reaction to death is fear. There's trepidation, there, there's fear. And that's actually the right perspective to have if you are not in Christ. Now, I don't know if people will admit or not, but everyone innately knows there's something wrong with this world and there's something wrong with me. There is just something wrong. And there is this innate sense that death is going to usher me into an eternal destiny that I might not want to face. And that's why they... It started with our first forefathers. They rebelled against the Creator God. They received the sinful nature that then ends in spiritual and physical death. That nature has been passed to every generation since, which that sin nature then leads all of us to rebel against God. But here's the thing, and we, we have this innate sense, even though there's so many people that suppress it. In a rebellious state, we will face justice. We will be condemned to his justice that he made in his image that he sent his son God the son Jesus Christ to take on the form, full form of humanity he died on the cross there he satisfied God's justice and he rose again from the dead Jesus Christ took our sin and gave us his righteousness so that whoever believes in Jesus Christ when God the Father looks at us, he sees his Son. When God the Father looks at the Christian, he sees us in Jesus. And so we are ushered into his presence. Now, when someone who has never believed in Jesus, they are still in their natural state, they are still in a state of rebellion against God and yes they need to fear because you will face justice but when someone who has believed in Jesus Christ dies they have nothing to fear because they will be forever in Christ's presence and you know that's just one issue that we filter through Jesus Christ we look at death differently we look at death through Christ from a Christian worldview. My sins are forgiven. My home is in heaven. And so we do praise God for what he's done. We look at death differently, but that, you know, there are a thousand different ways you know, that, we can, that we look at the world differently from other, uh, other worldviews. I mean, our views of family, our views of finances, our views of marriage, our views of politics, our views of everything is to be filtered through Jesus Christ. Not through our own desires and not by the world. The world would have you think one thing. But we don't belong to the world. We belong to Christ. And so we look at these issues through 
Christ. We filter our worldview through Christ, and then we have a proper Christian perspective. But finally and quickly, the third demonstration of having a proper perspective. I have a proper perspective when ministry for Christ is my life purpose. When ministry for Christ is my life purpose. Paul shares, you know, the struggle that he has, sort of mentally. He, he knows that to die is to be with Christ, and that's a whole lot better. That's far better. However, he also knows that God has a purpose for him here on this earth. To live is Christ, and, and, and living for Christ means I'm going to live for his purposes, and he has a calling on my life. He has a ministry on my life. He has equipped me to do a work in this world, and so if I remain on this earth, that's what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do with my time on this earth is I'm going to fulfill his calling on my life. Now, for Paul, Paul says in verse 22 that if he is to remain and live in the flesh, well, you know what, that's okay too, because that means fruitful labor for his ministry to the church. I mean, yes, Paul desires to go be with Christ, but he also recognizes that for the sake of Christ, he might need to remain on this earth a little bit longer because the church still needs him in his ministry. In verse 24, he recognizes that to remain alive is more necessary for the church, for the church to grow, for the church to mature, to fulfill his mission of spreading the gospel. That means that Paul would have to live. But if he's going to live, he's going to live for Christ. For me, to live is Christ. For me, to live is fulfilling his calling on my life. For me, to live is to be the tool that he needs to do whatever it is he wants to do on this earth. And that means that Paul was willing to sacrifice his own desires so that the ministry of Christ that he was called to would be fulfilled through him. I'm willing to set aside my desires so that the will of Christ through my ministry that he has given me would be fulfilled on this earth. How many of us are willing to set aside our desires so that the calling of Christ on our lives would be fulfilled on this earth? In verses 24 and uh, 25 and 26, I mean, Paul is convinced that he's going to get out of prison eventually and return to the ministry that God has for him. Now, this didn't come by vision or anything like that. It was just a personal conviction that he had. Once I face, you know, once I see Caesar, Caesar's going to see how, how bogus this case against me is. He's going to let me go. And, you know, that there, there wasn't widespread persecution of Christians at this time. So it was, it was a, probably a, a good guess. And, and you know, it, looking at history, the, the, the imprisonment he's talking about is the imprisonment that he's in at the end of the book of Acts. And if you've ever read, read the book of Acts, it, it just kind of abruptly ends and there, there's no closure to what's going on. You just leave the book of Acts and Paul is in prison. Well, if, if uh, church history is correct, it says that Paul was released um, and, you know, he would do more ministry. There's, church history says there was a fourth missionary journey uh, that he uh, fulfilled. But then eventually he did get imprisoned again under Nero, and, and uh, you know, you read about this in 2 Timothy, 
And then he, he knew he was going to die. He knew he was going to be martyred. But Paul says in verse 25 that right now, he's convinced he's going to remain on this earth to help the church so that the church would progress in the faith. And in verse 26, he says, this gives you ample reason to glorify in Christ because I'm going to be released and I'm going to be returned to you. And so my return to ministry to you ought to cause you to praise Christ. It's, it's another reason to praise Christ. But, but the point is that Paul was willing to give up his own dreams, wishes, and desires so that Christ's will was fulfilled in his life, so that Christ's ministry would be fulfilled through him. Yes, frankly, he wanted to be. He also knew that Christ's will for him was more important than his will for himself. And so when, when Christ is your life, you set aside your own wants and desires for the sake of whatever it is that Christ called you to do, whatever your ministry is. It might be a ministry to your family. It might be a ministry in the church. It might be a ministry in the community or wherever. But if you are in Christ, you have been called to a ministry, not just the professional to a ministry. Everyone is called to a ministry if you're in Christ. And that calling is more important than anything else that you think you want. In fact, living for Christ and fulfilling his ministry for you brings you more joy than anything else on this earth would ever be able to. You see, all our frustration, all our anger comes when our plans and our dreams and our desires and what we want are frustrated. And it, I'm not getting what I want. But when your life is Christ, when his ministry in your life, his calling in your life is what's most important, that can't be frustrated. It might not go in the direction you thought it would go, but that just means he's moving you somewhere else or doing something else with you, and you're, you're there to, to serve him. You know, there's a point in, in the book of Acts, Paul's thinking, we're going to Asia. And they kept getting frustrated. They're not getting to, man, I, I'm not getting to Asia. And then he has the dream. He has the vision of the Macedonian man calling him, come to Macedonia. They needed the gospel. And Paul's like, oh, that's why I couldn't get to Asia. Because God wanted me over here. And you're willing to do that. We could say that Paul was willing to delay his, his gratif ultimate gratification. You know, we talk about delay of gratification. You know, humans aren't good at delaying gratification, especially kids. Look, if you just wait before you do this, you're going to have a greater reward later. No, I want what I want, and I want it now, and I want lots of it. Give it to me. But... You know, sometimes with kids, it's just like, all right. Sometimes with adults, it's like, okay. We set aside our desires because we know that ultimately we're going to find our greatest joy and hope and peace when we are obediently following his calling. When, when you know, the, the, the calling that we were created for, because Christ created us specifically for something. We all have a different calling. We all have a different purpose. But God, God created you for a purpose. And you will actually find your fulfillment 
and fulfilling his calling on your life rather than going and doing your own thing. And so follow his calling. Fulfill the ministry that you've been called to. You know, this perspective is so different from the world because the world, it's all about you. And it just makes me angry when there are pastors and preachers out there that feed into that. You can have your best life now. If this is my best life now, I want out. This stinks. I know that to die is gain. But while I'm here on this earth to live is Christ. And I'm going to fulfill his calling in my life. Take on a different perspective from the world. It's not about you. It's not about fulfilling your desires. To live is Christ. The, the, the perspective of the world is carnal itself. Because from a true Christian perspective, our ultimate goal is to honor Christ. So I want to conclude with some questions really quick that I want you to think about this week. I want you to ponder on this, these questions. First, the first question, and we're going to go real quick. First question, how can Christ be most honored in my present circumstances? How can I honor Christ with my body, where I'm at, whatever's going on in my life right now? It, you want it to be your eager expectation and hope that Christ would be honored in your body, as Paul said. The second question, what decisions and choices would most honor Christ? In my life's journey, is it the filter of Christ through which I'm seeing things and that I'm basing my decisions? Are my decisions being based on a Christian worldview, not on a selfish, worldly worldview? And then third, what areas of my life are not submitted to the purpose of honoring Christ? Where are you holding back from Christ? Look, Christ, I will give you this and I will give you this, but look, the rest of this stuff, it's mine. Oh, don't ever say that to him. Everything is his. How can you honor Christ with it? So Christian, during the invitation, come and to the altar, wrestle with these questions if you need to. I'm not saying any of this is easy, but wrestle through with what you need to wrestle through. But if you're not a Christian and death is a, and judgment are a fearful thing for you, you can have peace and joy today knowing that you are in Jesus Christ. Come forward today. I'm going to be at the front. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and know that your home is in heaven and you need not fear death anymore. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.